Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. The series of winning the war within. And this morning I want to talk to you about passivity and and, uh, patterns of behavior. And, uh, you know, just tying that in with Father's Day, you know, we all in this room, and even those outside of this room, we all have two fathers. We all have two fathers. One father is a natural father, and the other father is a spiritual father. And our natural father, your natural father, you had no choice. You had no choice in who that father would be. And, of course, we trace that right back. That father is Adam, right? He was the first man that God had created. And, but we also have a spiritual father, and that father you, you get to choose. But uh, when we read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And so we find there that, that Adam, the first man, it was through that him, that one man, that sin came into the world, right? And sin came into the world, we know, because he, they listened. Adam and Eve listened to Satan. They bowed down to Satan. And I know you guys all know that well. And as a result of that, um, you know, he became a spiritual father to Adam and Eve. And he is a spiritual father to all those who choose to bow down to him. And so, but you get to choose your, your spiritual father. You get to choose what part, uh, what family you want to be a part of. And we find in John chapter 8 and verse 42, and Jesus is speaking there to uh, a group of people, and, he's, and Jesus is saying to them, and of course this group of people and the, the Jewish rulers uh, who are in this crowd of people, they were saying, well, our, 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 our father is God. And Jesus says to them, well, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came forth from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a a liar and the father of it. So we find Jesus giving, giving a pretty strong word here and saying to those people that were in front of him that day that there is another father. There's a heavenly father, and there's also the father of lies. And we can choose whether we want our creator to be our spiritual father or whether we want to follow the father of lies. And, you know, from this really percolates down everything that I, I, I want to touch on today, which is this thing of we call passivity. And, and these different behavior patterns that we, we all have in life. We all wrestle with them. And it's because sin entered the world, because Adam and Eve bowed down to Satan, right? It, it percolates down through all, to all the generations, and none of us is exempt from that. The only thing is, as I say, we get to choose. You get to choose who your spiritual father is going to be. And, uh, you know, because of that, because of that influence that has come down, because sin came into the world, and, and has corrupted. And you know, we, had, we heard last week Pastor Chris and, and Allison sharing about uh, sin and iniquity, right? And so we read there, you know, sin has come into the world. 
and iniquity also. Iniquity is, is sin is, is the outward act. It's every time you do something wrong, that's a sin. That's you missing the mark. But iniquity is that corruption, that nature within us that's twisted. And there's also that we, we have this thing that we call the influence in the world, right? We all talk about being influenced in the world. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. But I was also very influenced by the world. It's like I, I knew about God, and, and, and I, I believed that there was a God. But at the same time, I was so influenced by the world. And I was so, uh, so worldly in, in areas of my life and my thinking. I was so carnal and so fleshly in some of the choices that I was making in my life. And, you know, the Lord finally got a hold of me when I was 19 years old. And when he did, I, I, at that time, around that time, I started picking up playing guitar and stuff. And so I wrote this song, and one of the lines in the song that I wrote, it said, um, it said, mistaken for a soldier in the days of my youth, living out a lie in the midst of truth. And that's, that was so where I was at, because even though I heard about God, I was being so influenced, I was letting the world so influence me in my life. And, you know, I've learned... You know, when we're talking about the, a liar and, and, and a father being a liar and Satan, there's, there's two different kinds of lies. And one is projected lies. And the other is survival lies. So projected lies are lies that, that people speak to you. They speak those over you. They project them onto you. And, and you can choose whether or not you receive those lies. But they are lies that are projected on you. You know, maybe you grow up and, and you have somebody, uh, a father or a mother or somebody saying, you know, you're not going to amount to anything. So that's a lie, right, that's, that's being projected upon you. You can have friends and, and giving you peer pressure and they're saying things to you and projecting things on you. But there's also survival lies. Survival lies are lies that we tell ourselves. They're things that we believe about ourselves. So, you know, we, we start, uh, maybe we think that we're unworthy, and because of that, we, you know, maybe we'll take another drink, or maybe you'll shoot some sort of, take some sort of a drug, right? Or, or you get into certain behavior patterns, you know, and justify that because you're speaking these lies to yourself. And, and so you, you create these coping mechanisms to survive, so that's why we call them survival lies, because we say those things to ourselves to justify uh, why we're believing what we're believing, why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, passivity is a condition of your will. Passivity is a condition of your will. And when it's asked to, to make a choice, I think this is on. Let's see if I get this bad here, sorry. Okay, there we go. Passivity is a condition of your will. And when it's asked to make a choice, um, just to put it simply, often it just says, well, whatever. Right? It passivity doesn't really want to stand up for anything. Passivity doesn't really want to be noticed, and it just kind of says whatever. And you've maybe met people too, or you go over to somebody's place, and and it could be as simple as you know they're they're barbecuing on the grill, and they say, "Well, I got hamburgers, and I got. Do you want a hamburger? Or do you want a hot dog?" And and a person would just say, "Well, whatever," 
you know, because they can't make a choice, right? Some people just simply can't make choices. And, and so they just say whatever, and they say whatever. They get in this pattern in life where they say whatever to so many things when people are asking them to, to just make a choice. And, you know, are you a whatever? Are you a whatever in, in, in areas of your life? Uh, you know, whatevers don't like to stand up, as I said, for anything. And uh, what we find in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, is something that passivity is also referred to, or whatever is also referred to as being lukewarm. And uh, writing to the church here in uh, Laodicea, and Jesus is speaking to them. He says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold nor hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're rich, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so these people were lukewarm. And as, we, as it says there, lukewarm, it's not hot, and it's not cold. It's just uh, lukewarm, you know, just like this, this passive feeling, just not standing up for anything. And, you know, passivity, um, I find I've even experienced this in life. Passivity will work in conjunction with the truth. In other words, passivity can actually like the truth, but it likes to hear the truth. And it ends up paying lip service to the truth. And so, you know, we find even in, in the book of James chapter 2 there, and, and James writing to the church, and he says, you know, if somebody comes in and sits amongst you, you know, they're not clothed real nice, and, and uh, maybe they're, you know, you know that they're not well cared for, and they need some food and stuff, and you just bless them, and you, know, you say, you know, God bless you, you know, go in peace, and, and, um, and you don't do anything to help them. And, and that's passivity. That's where, you know, we love to come, we love to sit, and we love to, to learn about the things of God, but we don't act on them, right? We don't act on them. We don't, we don't carry them out in our life. And that's what passivity does is it begins to, to just give lip service to things. And this is where we find religiosity comes from. You know, we hear some people, that person's very religious, and that could be good or it could be bad. And, uh, but religion, if it's just religious, um, where you're just pay, paying lip service to things, then we're falling into, and this is the difference that I make, is religion, when you're re just religious, you have one-way communication. It's just one-way communication, one-way communication with God. You're talking to God and 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 giving your request to him and asking for this or asking for help in that. But there's no, it's, but relationship is the opposite. Relationship is two-way communication. That's where you're speaking with God and you're also hearing from God. And what happens, the reason that passivity uh, brings people into this place of just being religious and just giving kind of lip service to truth in life is because it doesn't, it doesn't want to act upon what's being spoken. So what happens, and, and you've probably all experienced this, and I've experienced it uh, sometimes in areas of my life, is that God begins to speak to you about something in an area of your life. You know, maybe, maybe it's a relationship that's going on in your life. Or maybe it's something that you did to somebody else, and God's saying, you know, you need to go and make that right. And you know within yourself you're not willing to act on that. So then you, you start stopping your ears, right? You stop, 
And when you, when you start to stop your ears and you don't want to listen, you shut that down. Well, then you, you shut that out because, you know, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing, because God loves you, right, he's, he's going to bring that up in your life. He's going to bring that up in your heart. And he's going to convict you about that because he wants you to change. He wants you to move. He wants you to progress in life. And so if we don't act upon it, then it's going to cause us to become religious. It's going to cause us to be unable to, to hear from him. Okay, I might need your help here. Hon. This just turned into four pages. <laughs> this is not my gift. Computers are not my gift. And so, um, so anyways, what happens out of that is, is we have these secrets that start in our, that start in our life. Right? When we, we become religious, and, and by the way, everybody's religious, some in a good way, some in a bad way. But when, the, when that's going on in our life, then we have these secrets, thanks, hon, that, uh, that we don't want other people to know. And secrets start moving us into this place of isolation. We start isolating ourselves from people. And it says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So we can see that, you know, if you have this secret and you don't want other people to know about it, then what you do is you, you start pulling back in life. You start isolating yourself in different ways. And, and you could be even a person that's, that's out and around. You can even be in a crowd, but you just never really go very deep with people. You don't really get let your relationships with people get very deep. And that's because you're isolating yourself. And that's what passivity uh, will do in your life. Um, you know, pa the passive person is also one that is often referred to as a procrastinator, right? We've heard that word about procrastinating. You know, don't be procrastinating. And that's somebody who just keeps putting things off. And, you know, if I, if I, I could say to Anita, you know, I could say, hon, if I, she's going to be asking me about, can you please do this? Can you please do that? You know, type of thing. And, and I'll, I can get to the place and I can say, hon, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I'm going to get it done. But, you know, when we stop and think about that, it's not very logical, is it? Because if I've had enough time to tell somebody a hundred times or a thousand times I'm going to get it done, then I've probably had time to get it done. So it's an indication of my own procrastination. It's, it's a, an indication of my own passivity and, and not doing things that need to get done. You know, there's, a, there's a, a catch to passivity, and that is passivity is not passive. Passivity oftentimes is not passive. I know that sounds like, a, like an oxymoron, and uh, you know, I, it reminds me too, I hate it when I go to a, a dictionary and when you're trying to find out what a word means, it uses the word in the definition. So, you know, I, I for example, I, I read this, like, for example, one would be with passivity. You know, the definition is the condition or state of being passive. And that's just, that, the stuff like that just drives me nuts. It's like, you can't use the word that you're describing in the definition because it, it's just not helpful. So, I, I've, I've written some uh, stuff off to some people who, who make, um, who make um, 
the, the dictionaries. They, they are often, when you've gone in and researched a word or looked it up, right, they ask you for feedback, right? So I gave them some feedback. <laughs> I just said, I won't say what I said, but it wasn't that bad. But I wasn't passive in that situation. Um, but, you know, it could, so passivity can look like that. It's not passive. Uh, so a person who's passive, it can look like this. Like somebody could be really active uh, in their job. Right? Maybe they're really outgoing in their job. Maybe there's a salesman or something, but they're a real go-getter. Right? And, and so you wouldn't think that they're a passive. But the reality is maybe when they come home, they just come home and they sit in front of the TV. They come home and, and when it comes to things that are spiritual, when it comes to their family, they're very passive about things. They're not, they're not active about things. And so passivity... Uh, can oftentimes not be passive, and it and what it does is it tries to, it tries to gain control through inactivity and through silence. It tries to control people. It tries to take control of the relationships around them by being inactive, by being silent. That's that's how they do. That's how they that person does it, and how they use their passivity uh, to control. Uh, you know, we often find, at least, and I've kind of found this too, is that when people don't know what to do, because we, sometimes we all get stuck in this stuff. Uh, sometimes we know there's things, there's changes we have to make in our life, and we don't always know where to go. We don't always know where to get there. But what happens is when people don't know what to do, oftentimes they won't do anything. When people don't know what to do, oftentimes they don't do anything. And... You know, we find the opposite of that with Paul in, in Acts chapter 16. And, uh, you know, he was, he was on a missions trip here, and, and he was trying to make some movement, trying to reach out to people. And it said uh, when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of uh, Galatia, they were, forbid they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Couldn't go, couldn't move there. After that, they came to Mycenae, and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So they, they went this direction, and they went their actions, and, and the Spirit wouldn't permit them. So passing by uh, Messiah, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he'd seen the vision immediately, sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So you can see here Paul when he wasn't sure what to do, he didn't, he didn't just not do anything. He tried going in this direction. Then he tried going in that direction until there became a clarity, right? Until the Lord used something to begin to speak to him about where to go. And that's, what, that's how we get out of this place of passivity. When we don't know what to do, when we're stuck somewhere, is make some movement. Just, just kind of commit it. Give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this. I know I gotta make a change, and you try to do that, and and it doesn't really seem to go anywhere, you know. But then it's because you made that move. You, you, you try something else, right? And 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 God directs us by that. God can speak to us by that uh, when we're making some movement in our life, and. You know, people, when, when we're in these places and we have these different kinds of conflicts and everybody has conflict, um, I find that people who are unable to resolve conflict are people who can't really have quality relationships. If, if we don't 
learn how to resolve conflict in our lives. We can't have quality relationships in our life. And so I found that confrontation is very, actually very key in having an intimate relationship with God, because we even have conflict with God too, right? It's very key in having an intimate relationship with God and an intimate relationship with other people. And when we do it properly, when we approach conf- you know, conflict properly, we approach confrontation, if we have to talk to somebody else about something, and we do it properly, uh, it actually shows people that we can have a more intimate relationship, a closer relationship by working things out, by facing the issue instead of running from it. And it increases our trust, right? When you go through something with somebody else, and it, like it, it really does something in your relationship, and it increases that trust. And, and I can say, you know, in, in my marriage with Anita, like, like I just feel our relationship is so much stronger than when we first got married. And you know what it is to be, you know, you meet somebody for the first time and, and that sort of thing, and you're getting to know them, and, and it's just, you know, you think you've kind of got the world by tail because you're in love with somebody, and this relationship's great, and you think you can face the world together. And then, um, and then you start having a little conflict with one another, and then you wonder, you know, I can, sometimes I can hardly face the other person. How am I going to face the world, right? But, but what happens is you overcome, and, and you grow through that. And so as a result of that, it increases that trust. And so I've just found that trust uh, has just grown for Anita and I as, as a result of, of just growing together and facing conflict. Um, So something, you know, something maybe just as a simple example that I've, I've faced, uh, Anita and I, is, you know, her, her brain is just wired different than, than mine is. And um, so, for example, I'll, I'll say to uh, her maybe something like this. I'll say, oh, uh, hey, Hunter, your parents still coming over tomorrow night? And she'll say, no, we have to go and pick them up and bring them here because uh, their vehicle's broken down. And that just would throw me for a loop. It's just been the last year I've really been overcoming this. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so the answer is yes, they are coming here, but we have to go and pick them up. But she starts out, her first word is no, we have to go and pick them up because their vehicle's not working. Because for her, her brain thinks, she's thinking about the details. I'm just thinking about the yes or no answer. I just want to know what the answer is so I can move on to my next thought. And she's thinking about the details. It's always the details first. So because she's thinking on the details, it's not happening that was originally planned. So the answer starts out with no. We have to go pick them up. And so, you know, that just, but that's something. That's a, a simple little conflict, right? We can get spinning on stuff like that and get, and get sucked into things. So anyways, I've learned that when she starts talking, I have to finish listening to what she's saying before I understand what's being said which, of course, is what we're supposed to be doing, right, guys, is listening and not being selective in our hearing. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just simple things like that. And, and you know, in, in, our, in our conflict and things, I, I found it's, it's so important that we don't get 
historical, and we don't get uh, hysterical about things. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that could be said uh, about conflict, but the main thing is that we don't we don't bring up the past. Stay in the present. So if I can leave something with you today, when you're dealing with conflict and in a relationship with somebody, whoever it is, spouse, coworker, whatever, uh, your children, but don't stay in the present. Don't go back in the past. Don't go back to old uh, resentments. Don't go back and, and refer to old issues. Stay in the present. So in other words, so we don't want to get historical and we don't want to get hysterical either, right? So now another situation and, 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 uh, that happened with Anita and I, but, <clears throat> and I have her permission to use this, by the way. And she, she didn't really get hysterical, but she did get very frustrated with me. And so this happened a number of years ago as a reference to our farming, and she had me reading these different articles and, and, and trying to show me something so that we would change a particular uh, farming practice that we were doing. And so... You know, this went on for a couple of months, and then, so finally, and then she had me read this other article, and she said, well, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I, I see these points. I see the, this, you know, the points this person's making here, but I see these points over here, too, you know? So I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't really see, you know, the need to make a change. I just, it's kind of like I see both sides, and, and it's, it's not clear to me. And so then one day, that day, <laughs> she gave me that final article, she goes to me, oh, great, I'm married to the devil. <laughs> and at first, I just kind of thought, you know, I just kind of wanted to laugh and thinking within myself, that's so ridiculous, you don't think you're married to the devil. And I thought, wait a minute, she said that with some real strength and uh, oomph there, you know, I think she might have meant that. And so, you know, and then I could have spun off in that, right, and got caught up in that. But anyways, we got through that one, so... Um, but, you know, stuff like that in conflict, we have to, we have to stay in the present and, and not, let, not let it spin out of control where the thing you're dealing with isn't even, isn't even the issue anymore, when the issue isn't the issue. And it's so easy for us. You know, we, we look at conflict sometimes, and, and I just think of the Israelites. You know, when the Lord brought them out of Egypt... And they're out, right? He brings them out. He, 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 God did incredible miracles in their life to get them out of Egypt. Right? All those miracles he worked and got them out of Egypt. And now here they are out in the wilderness. They're free from their oppressors. And then they face this, this problem or this conflict. You know, maybe they're short of water, you know, and they're getting thirsty. Or they're short of food and there's no food. And they start complaining and, and they start, you know, accusing Moses and they start saying, you know, it would have been better for us to have just stayed in Egypt. You know, why did, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? You know, we should have stayed back there in Egypt. And, and you know, we look at that. We, we read that story, right? And we think, yeah, that's so crazy. Like, why don't these guys get it, you know? But it's like, put yourself in their place. Because sometimes we say that because, you know, we know the end of the story. But when they were in the moment and when you're in the moment, Right, you see a problem, you see a conflict, and we do the same thing. We want to go back. We want to go back to where we were. We want to go back into that way that we were stuck in. We want to. We want to stay in that. We want to go back to the old uh, behavioral pattern that we were st that we were stuck in, and that we know is destructive, because we're in the moment and we're making a choice 
you know, in the moment. But um, and that's what happens when we're used to, to living life a certain way. And the reason we do that, and the reason the Israelites did it, is because everybody tries to avoid pain, right? There's this, if you can say it, there's a law of pain, and we all try to avoid it. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what I found is there's, there's different kinds of pain, and we have to choose. Like, when you make a decision in life, there's always going to be some pain. You know, even Jesus said, uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. You'll have pain. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so when we make choices in life about moving in a certain direction, there's always going to be some conflict. There's always going to be some pain involved. And, and the thing is, but we want to, there's, there's two different kinds of pain, if I can put it simply that way. And there's pain that is destructive, right? There's behavioral patterns that we can get into, or this one that we're talking about this morning of passivity. It can be very destructive. We can get into these things that are very destructive to us, very destructive to other people, and, 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 and in such a way that, you know, we can even get into using alcohol or drugs, or we can be very abusive in, in verbally, you know, the way that we speak to people, because we're always stuck in this thing. You can choose that kind of pain, or you can choose the pain that comes with breakthrough, the pain that's, you know, for a moment, uh, confronting the problem, working that conflict out, and learning how to walk through it and to walk it out. And so it's a matter of us choosing breakthrough uh, through pain that brings you out. You know, that's what we see in Jesus, isn't it? You know, we, we read back in Isaiah 53 about how the chastisement of our peace was upon him, about how he was a man acquainted with grief and with sorrow, you know, and how he uh, took those stripes upon his back for our healing. So Jesus chose a pain that was for our healing, that was for our freedom. And so he chose that. He chose that for us. And, and likewise, the same thing for us. You, just like he took up his cross for us, Jesus calls us to take up your cross and follow him. That's because he's saying there's some pain in life. You know, if you're going to have breakthrough in life, if you're going to, if you're going to, be able to be raised up to new life, you've you got to die to the things that you're at now, to the things that you're stuck in now, to the sin that's holding you back. And so, and so there's a pain that comes for breakthrough. And, um, and God wants us to choose that and not the destructive pain. He wants us to face the conflict and learn to overcome because it brings a deeper intimacy in our life. Um, it said that, um, you know, people who, who have support. So when, when we're in this place of, of learning to overcome, you know, we need each other. We need each other. We need these relationships that, we're, that um, God puts around us. And, and when you choose, you know, if you've chosen God as your spiritual father and you've called upon him and you've asked for that forgiveness, through Jesus, and you're part of this family. We need that. We need the family that God's given us to help us to overcome. And, you know, when people are facing certain things, they say that uh, 
people who have people around them, if they're trying to make a change in their life, it could be anything from a serious addiction to, to a particular behavioral problem uh, that's going on, a conflict in their life. 80% of the people will succeed who have support people around them. They've included people in their life. They're saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. You know, can you help me with this? Can you pray with me about this? Can you hold me accountable, you know, in this? 80% of those people succeed. But people who try to make changes in their life on their own, only about 10% of those people succeed. And, and, you know, God has created you and I for success and wants us to walk in that place of success. So we need people around us. We need the body of Christ. And so when you're looking for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, just remember that the power of the Holy Spirit comes, yes, in your own personal relationship with the Lord, but he also brings the power of the Spirit for those that growth and those changes in your life through the church, through the body of Christ, through the family that he's made you a part in so that you can make the change. And, you know, you can come here this morning, and you have come here this morning, and you're listening to me. And, and I can say something to you that maybe begins to stir in your heart. And you say, yeah, you know, I, I recognize that. I see that in my life. The Spirit of God's speaking to you about something as, as I'm speaking to you and bringing something up to you. And, and it stirs in you a willingness to change. But what, you, what I've often found is that I need the rest of the body of Christ to help me to actually make the change. Right? You know, there's a, there's a scripture verse in Philippians, for it's God who works in you to will and to do according to his pleasure, to will and to do. So, so you can have a willingness as you're here. You can be in Bible study groups and be a part of that. And, and, but, but you need people in your life. That's why the body of Christ is here for you to have people that, you know, you're inviting to be accountable to and, and to walk with so that you can come out of that stuff. And sometimes when we're in the midst of that, you know, we can all get discouraged. You know, we don't, we don't always get the breakthrough the first time around. We don't always uh, win this war within the first time we go to fight the battle. And, and we need people around us to be there and, and to encourage us. And uh, the other day in my devotions, just want to close with this thought, in Mark chapter 16, and, you know, Jesus has died, and, um, and they put him in the, in the tomb, and on the first day of the week, some of the women come to uh, anoint his body with uh, the spices, and they find out that, um, that uh, he was alive, right? They had this meeting with Jesus at the tomb, and so they go back, and it says here, she went back and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. And the next couple of verses after that say, all of a sudden, Jesus came and he stood in their midst. And it says, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. So he didn't rebuke them. You know, the key I want you to just take away here. He didn't rebuke them because they were mourning and grieving. God won't rebuke you because you're struggling or dealing with something in your life and you know it's not at where it should be or whether it's passivity in your life that you're, you're not stepping out. But he rebuked them because they didn't believe the report of him that he was alive. 
that he's alive, you know, and sometimes we forget that when we're in the midst of the struggle, that he's alive, he's overcome. And because he's overcome, we can overcome because he's going to provide you, he's going to provide me with everything I need. And we need to believe the report. You know, remember, he's not just alive out there. He's alive in, in me. He's alive in you. You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and God sends other people our way, bringing reports about things. And sometimes we'll have people stand up here, right? And they'll, they'll give a report about uh, how the, there was a healing in their life or, or whatever it is or something that, you know, they had a breakthrough in their life. And that happens. God brings that. God sets that before you because he wants you to believe the report that he's alive. Even though in, in, at that moment in your own life, you're struggling with something. You're, you're weighed down with something. But God is bringing you to that to remind you, to stir up your own faith to, so that you can believe him for what you're, you're believing, wanting to wait upon him for so, Father, we just, we just thank you today that you are alive. And I, I just thank you that, God, no matter what our struggle is today, that you are faithful to meet us. And, God, I just pray and I just believe each one that's here this morning, God, we have chosen that you are our spiritual father. We've wanted you as our spiritual father. We lived under the abuse of our previous spiritual father, that father of lies who, who filled our minds with all those things that were so destructive and cause us to live in such a way that's destructive. And then, God, you found us. And you, you lit our heart on fire and you brought a peace. You, you brought a joy to our life that we didn't have before. And God, I just thank you today that, that because of that, that God, we are in this room today and we have one another. We have you and we have one another. And we just thank you, Father God, for the great gift that you've given us because of that and God we just want to say we just we love you father and we just thank you for being our father and God I just pray your blessing on each one as they go uh, father just the thing whatever it was that has been shared this morning that you're touching your heart with that God that you would just bless them and minister to them and we thank you for victory in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen well God bless you as you go Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.